The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 154. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position leaders. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Tom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're doing something a little different from our usual discussion of the TV show. We're going to be discussing a big finish audio play production of Doctor Who called Live 34. And we'll tell you what that's all about. But uh, first, I want to say welcome to Jimmy Aiken, who's joining me today on the panel. Howdy, Dom. So, folks, if you have not done so, please subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app like Overcast or uh, the SQPN YouTube channel where you should hit the bell to get notifications where you subscribe there. Uh, so make, make sure you've subscribed. You don't miss a single episode. So, Jimmy, uh, let's talk about what we're doing here for the month of December. We're, we're doing something a little different. Yeah, so um, we've threatened periodically to do an introduction to Big Finish, and we decided to do that this month and give you a range of some different Big Finish audios that are, in, in at least in my opinion, quite good ones um, that uh, you could use to get started listening to Big Finish. Uh, for people who may not be aware, Big Finish is a production company over in England that produces audio plays, uh, usually of licensed fran media franchises like Doctor Who. That's the big one. Although they also do Dark Shadows and Blake Seven and The Prisoner and other things. They kind of started when Doctor Who was off the air and they got a license from the BBC to do Doctor Who audio plays using the original actors. From the well, TV that's, show, that's the big thing is is that it, that they're they're not just bringing in new talent to kind of pretend to be the Doctor. They've got the real thing. So they were founded in 1996, uh, and then since 1999, they produced a whole bunch of Doctor Who dramas, audiobooks, prose stories, big you know bigger stories, smaller stories. Um, they they have uh, ancillary characters like they have a whole series of of episodes we've talked about before, but with featuring the master and various uh, where the Paternoster gang has a series. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be dozens of stories, Jimmy. Oh well, well hundreds of stories, but <laughs> dozens of ranges is what they're called. Um, yeah, uh, like so the Paternoster gang has a range. Jago and Lightfoot have a range. The Eighth Doctor has a range. And they're really well done for the most part. I mean, like any series, there are some clunkers, but for the most part, they're they're really surprisingly well done. And these days, they're treated as basically canonical on the show. If you watch Night of the Doctor, where the Eighth Doctor regenerates into the War Doctor as he is about to regenerate, he mentions his big Finnish companions like Charlie Pollard and Kariz, 
who uh, and so we have an on-screen acknowledgement of these adventures, and uh, and they're frequently quite well done. This one, Live Thirty Four, is one of the first that I ever listened to, and I love Live Thirty Four. I think it is awesome. Yeah, the basic premise is you're you're on Colony Thirty Four, and it's late at night, and you're listening to the radio. And you're listening to an all-news station called Live 34. Right. And it is, so this is the news live on Colony 34. And it's just like listening to the BBC or NPR. And So you'll have uh, a news update at the top of every half hour and uh, with the major headlines. And then they'll dig down into some more particular story, like listening to, the same thing, if you're listening to All Things Considered on NPR, to give an American right. reference, they'll have that news recap at the top of the half hour, and then they'll dig down into some story. And so we basically have that happening here. We even get little throwaway lines giving us, you know, the weather report and the sports report. We have like an update on the water ball championship and stuff like that. And it's it, it really is like listening to the radio. You even hear whoever's listening tuning between radio stations in, <laughs> at, at every half hour they're tuning between radio stations until you until they find 34 and start listening to the news right there is there is no other narrative in this except for the news broadcast which is an, an interesting framework that they've created for themselves and, and sort of restriction and again I think the most interesting stories come out of when the when the writer and the creators restrict themselves from yeah. from from things and that's what we have here we don't have the doctor you know, uh, having conversations with his companions, you know, on the side that uh, outside of the broadcast, we have none of that. Yeah. And so you have to understand what's going on entirely from these news reports. And it's not standard narrative. It's like kind of like Dracula. If you've ever read the novel Dracula, it's what's called an epistolary novel. So there's no right. narrator telling us everything that's happening. It's all excerpts from letters and diaries. Right. Or the closest thing that Doctor Who has done to this on screen is the uh, 2015 episode Sleep No More, which was all found footage. Right. But this is another way of restricting the narrative. So it's non-standard storytelling where it's all told through radio reports. And I just love that. I That's the kind of creativity I wish the show would do more of. And the sort of thing you could do with an audio format that you really couldn't do this with a visual format. You'd have to do it as TV news reports, I suppose. Right, but yeah. um, now the so a couple of interesting things. Each story, so the whole story takes place over about sixteen days within the within the the world of Doctor Who. So it's a sixteen day span. Each episode, which which is about a half hour, we, you can call it episode. It's, it's it's sort of an artificial division, but each time between yeah. retuning and going to a different day. Uh, is, it takes place in in essentially real time, as in yeah. real time of the broadcast. And um, what what they're doing, and this is typical for Big Finish, is they model the audio plays after what the TV show was doing at the time. Yes. And so, since in this is a set in the time of the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, and so in his time, it, a, a typical story was four parts, each of which was a little less than half an hour long. So that's what they give us here. Four parts, so, each a little less than a half hour long. This came out in September 2005. When did the series relaunch? Was it 2005. before? 2005. Do you know if this was after the TV series relaunched? I, I haven't looked that up. If it was September, that may have been about the same time. 
which is very I interesting. Could, yeah. yeah, it sort of sets that you know within it within you know after this, people would have a different understanding of what Doctor Who was going to be. Uh, so we have two companions. We have Ace, uh, played again by um, Sophie Aldred, mm-hmm. who was Ace in the original series, and uh, and, and another and another character, Hex, played by Philip Olivier, who is a, ca- a character that only shows up in Big Finish. Am I right? Correct. Uh, okay. Hex was created for Big Finish, and his his name is his full name is Thomas Hector Schofield, but his nickname is Hex. And he's from the north of England. He's from Bolton, so he speaks with a northern accent to contrast with Sophie Aldred's southern accent for Ace. And he's also a male nurse. And he was created before Rory, several years before Rory. Right. But he's a lot like Rory. You have this dynamic between the kind of strong, dominant female personality of Ace, who is in some ways like Amy Pond. And then the more flexible, humble personality of Hex, kind of like Rory, except there are a few differences. One of them is Hex's medical skills become relevant to the story much more frequently than Rory's do. Okay. So he, in a way, gets more to do than Rory. Rory's just kind of a traveler hanging around. Hex does stuff. Also, even though he is the more passive compared to Ace, He's also cheekier than Rory. He'll stand up for himself in a way that Rory doesn't. Uh, okay. He'll even kind of, at times, be a little preemptively cheeky with Ace. There's another story, uh, Gods and Monsters, where they're dealing with vampires, and they don't quite come out and say it this way, but you know how whenever you're dealing with vampires, you want Catholics to be the ones to deal with them? You know? <laughs> right. Because Catholics right. deal with the supernatural better. If you got a, a demonic possession, you want a Catholic priest, not a Baptist minister, <laughs> right? <do>. And <laughs> right, and, and and same thing with you got. If you're dealing with Dracula, you want Van Helsing, not Pastor Bob. Uh, yes. So Hex is a Roman Catholic, and oh. he points that out. And then Ace is complaining about how she's been having more trouble with the hemovores, the vampires, than. Than Hex has, and he says, "Up, oh, see, Church of England got to be a downfall." <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. That sounds like what I want to listen to. Uh, the, uh, the when you mentioned the comparison to Amy and Rory and Ace and Hex, uh, that does bring up the point that a lot of the 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 people who, like Stephen Moffat and and um, some of the other uh, oh, Russell Davies worked on Big Finish. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people who who are running and involved in New Who wrote episodes, ran the show, were people who were among the founders of Big Finish, right? Were they? Yeah. Like, was um, he, what is his um, name? Oh, his, his writing partner of Stephen Moffat, um, who was oh also, Mark Datus. Yeah, Mark yeah. Datus is in Big Finish. Yeah. The oh, I'm, and I'm blanking. He's the main Big Finish guy, but I'm blanking on his name. I want to say Briggs. Who uh, does the voices of the Dalek on the show is on Nick, the TV Nicholas show Briggs. is the Nicholas yeah. Briggs. That's it. Is yeah. the main Big Finish guy. You'll even find episodes of Big Finish with David Tennant playing Time Lords before he played the Doctor. Yes, yes, <laughs> very, very interesting. Uh, so uh, it 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 creates this um, this feel to it that feels very much like Doctor Who. So uh, we we kind of got away from the 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 live thirty four we were going to talk about. That one other thing that we should mention is. Uh, we have TARDIS separation. The TARDIS is not a part of this story at all, uh, which I'm not sure how you could make it. I mean, you could have it dematerialize yeah. in the background. It's audio, but 
Well, you, um, they do that at the end when they leave. We hear the TARDIS dematerialize, but that's its only presence in the story. Right, right. Uh, so we talked about the, the setting. It's uh, Colony 34. Colony 34 is one of 49 colonies in a binary solar system. Um, and, co- and, this, and the colony has a first city, second city, third city. Not a very imaginative naming system in these colonies. Um, and, and apparently we hear, we hear from dialogue that Earth was abandoned centuries ago. So right. This is so this a, is after the Great Disaster. Right. Um, and and the, 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 the broadcast starts off with uh, reporting on rebellious elements setting off explosions in government records offices in various locations in the various cities. Yeah. Now, one of the things to point out about this episode or this story, and it's like we mentioned, it's kind of got three parts. The Doctor is at least briefly in all three parts or in all yep. four parts. But they, the episodes really focus on the different characters. So the first episode is focused on the Doctor. Yep. The second episode is focused on Ace. Yep. The third episode is focused on Hex. And then the fourth episode brings all three of them together for the resolution. Right. And I think that's an interesting narrative storytelling device, too, having each character sort of get their own episode to shine and show us what they do. But a lot of there's... And this is something Americans may not be aware of, but this episode is hev- is just shot through with political significance in a way that yeah. may not be obvious to an American audience. You have, in essence, this ostensible terror campaign going on on 34, but there's questions about how much is this the government doing this just to keep people oppressed and uh, passive? Right. To give themselves an excuse for emergency government powers right like, versus real terrorist elements yeah yeah and it plays out you know how much you, how many of these are real bombings versus false flag operations and they're using them to delay free elections and then there are election irregularities and stuff and some of this you know we see in other nations in you know it, particularly in the third world but some of it also resonates with british history because you had Back in the 70s and 80s, you had the Troubles and, and, and with Northern Ireland and the Irish Republican Army. And there was also – so here on 34, we have, in addition to Premier Yeager's official government, you have this rival political party called the FDP, the Freedom and Democracy Party. And they're basically an analog for Sinn Féin. Right. Uh, Sinn Féin was a political party in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, that was widely perceived as just a political front for the Irish Republican Army, who were terrorists. So you would have this legitimacy issue of, well, are you a real political party? Why won't you condemn these IRA bombings? Right. And you had the leader of Sinn Féin, a guy named Jerry Adams, who was it's like, okay, he's the political guy, but he's also perceived as being in bed with the terrorists and he denies, you know, illegitimacy to what he's doing. And during Margaret Thatcher's administration, he was subjected to government censorship in a particular way that also kind of resonates with this story, where you had the Thatcher administration decided they wanted to try to deny oxygen in the media to certain people, including Jerry Adams, and they set up broadcast restrictions because they don't have a First Amendment over in Europe. 
the way right. we do in America that protects freedom of press and freedom of assembly and freedom of religion. They don't have that over there. And so they set up broadcast restrictions where Jerry Adams and certain other people could not speak in their own voice in the media. And so the broadcasters immediately found a way around that. We'll get actors to dub what they just said. <laughs> and and so, so in this, you have similar elements. They're not exactly the same, but basically in the first episode, the doctor becomes the leader of the Freedom and Democracy Party. So it's like the doctor as Jerry Adams. Right. And then Ace is, and we pick this up, if you know who, if you know Ace, you can tell just from the first episode, Ace is leading the bombing campaign. Right. And so you do have this Sinn Féin IRA thing going on between the Freedom and Democracy Party and the insurgents. Then also in episode two, we encounter broadcast restrictions where they start, they explain to the audience, we can't broadcast certain things here. So they're like bleeping out references to government prison facilities and government officials. Um, and so there's a lot of kind of 70s, 80s British political ethos that they've pulled in here, as well as stuff that happens in other countries, not all, right. not all the UK, but other places too. Also keeping in mind that this, again, 2005 is not long after 9-11. In all of the um, debates over anti-terrorism legislation and uh, restrictions that were being imposed at the time in fear of terrorism. And so that would have also been in the mindset of those who are listening to this at that time or were creating this at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. very, very interesting to have all that. I find it very interesting. and it, it, I, it does, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that um, the doctor and Ace and Hex become very intimately involved in Freeing this colony from a totalitarian government, the, the, with the doctor leading, being the presidential candidate, or, or essentially premier. presidential, premier yeah. candidate for the premiership of this political party, and Ace being the rebel leader, you know, and Hex actually having more of an undercover job, which is very, it was a very interesting thing at the end uh, when that was revealed, um, and it's. It's very interesting to see how it deeply involved in this they became. We don't have an explanation again, again because it's all news broadcast. We don't have an explanation of how or why they we get they we got get pieces. Uh, yeah. Apparently, what eventually emerges when Ace gets to tell her story is they originally came to this planet for a vacation. They were going to make a snowman. They were going to get some sun, and they found a prison ship that had crashed. And Ace tended to a dying prisoner who was a, turned out to be a political prisoner and he explained the repression that was happening on 34 and that's what led to them get starting to investigate and then in episode 1 when the doctor's being interviewed one of the commentators talks to him about the two most recent heads of the FDP have have died and somewhat mysteriously yeah, yeah. And the doctor says, and so who's going to lead you now? And the doctor says, well, after much persuading, I've agreed to become the new head of the FDP because I can't let anyone else take the risk. So it's not right. like he wants to be premier. He just doesn't want anyone else to get hurt. Right, right. It's, it's interesting um, that there's also the, the, the lots of talk of um, fear of immigrants, fear of aliens invasions, yeah. conspiracy rumors, theories. Ru rumors of monsters on 34, which is great because that's yeah. they're subverting a trope here on Doctor yes. Who. Because normally 
when there are rumors of monsters, they're, they're absolutely monsters. true. And right. and the monsters become the villains for the episode. And here, there are rumors of monsters, but they're just rumors created by the real villains. There are no it, monsters. In fact, this apart from being set on a colony world, it's there's really not much else in, in sci-fi you know, tropes or tra- sci-fi, you know, st- stuff in this. This is a yeah. almost like a historical in that sense, the classic historicals, where it's not about some supernatural or alien thing that's doing this. It's all yeah. human nature that's oh, involved. Yeah, and also another 1970s thing, energy crisis on 34. Yes, and, yes. And that's, that's going to be a key part of this, too. They're having a fuel shortage. Uh, the, pre- the elected premier, Jaeger, says that 34 has plenty of natural resources. They just need to be properly tapped, and these terrorist campaigns are not helping us tap them. But we've got lots of fuel, so we don't need to... We can get through this current energy crisis if the terrorists will just let us. And it's interesting to see, through the progress of the story, how they really like amp up things, like the, the, how the restrictions... At first, the beginning, it just seems like, oh, this is just a regular world, and there may be uh, you know, the government may ha- be a little more restrictive than you might expect, but, you know, it's basically a a free sort of Western-style democracy, um, which hasn't had an election in a long time. And as as the story progresses over time, the restrictions get harsher, You see, and you see this progression. And then one of the great things they do is because of the limited narrator aspect of this with the Live 34, as the journalists begin to expose things, you get to see the truth of what's going on being exposed gradually as well until yeah. eventually the government takes over live 34 you know with with various excuses uh and and you know fires reporters and what one the reporter from the second episode this guy who uh sort of an ira glass sort of character from uh, yeah. from a, who ends up uh committing suicide quote unquote yeah <laughs> quote unquote does a jeffrey epstein yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to so, talk about a current meme. <laughs> so why don't we talk about the individual episodes? In the first yeah. one, we start. We the first character we meet is the main news announcer, a guy named Drew Shahan, mm-hmm. and he's giving us the the top of the hour news update about the there's been an explosion in First City at a records office that was closed, although the government says there are victims. Right, and this follows a similar pattern to two other recent explosions in Second City and Third City, also at closed record offices where the government said there were victims, but there's been no independent investigation of that. The government hasn't let people see the victims. Right. And the insurgents, the freedom fighters, say that there were no victims. They deny they would kill anybody. They deliberately targeted buildings that were not occupied. And because of the this night's explosion, the doctor is on his way. He's introduced initially just as a representative of the Freedom and Democracy Party, is on his way to the studio for an interview. But because of the security forces out on the street, he's been delayed. And so they talk to him over a, a mobile phone. They don't yes, say it's a mobile phone, but it's a mobile phone. Right. And you get this really kind of interesting dance that the doctor does verbally with Drew Shahan. Also, they tend to call people by their title. And if you don't have a title, you're called a resident. So the doctor is resident doctor. (laughs) Right. And resident doctor has this dance with resident Shahan 
about news reporting. And the doctor keeps insinuating, I know you want to investigate, and your predecessor had a very curious mind, maybe a little too curious, but I think you do too. Because if you don't seriously investigate, then news just becomes propaganda. And and so you have this very kind of towing the line, dancing on the line of coming out and saying you're being duped by the government and you right. need to take a stand in whatever way you can. Right. And it's this fun little thing because it, it's what we see play out on our regular news, which is the reporter asks a question and the the person that he's interviewing tries to like just completely ignores the point of the of the question and says whatever he's actually wants to talk about and redirects the conversation and the reporter is constantly trying to bring the doctor back to the point of yeah. his original question like for for example do you condemn these bombings resident doctor and and the doctor's like oh there i would never favor anything that would lead to loss of life but what about the victims have you seen a victim has anybody seen a victim right but I notice you haven't answered my question. Do you condemn these bombings? Well, if I could speak to the people responsible, I would tell them that blowing things up is not the answer, at least <laughs> not in this case, because they're running the risk of playing into the government's hands. And so, you know, he's like talking directly to Ace over the airwaves right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. You know, she's gotten out the Nitro 9 has been blowing stuff up. <laughs> right, right. And then there's another explosion, and immediately the newscasters note this breaks the pattern because it, it's the first time there's been two explosions in one night, and this is a much bigger explosion, and it's in a factory that was operating a night shift with 400 workers. Right. And so and people uh, are dead. So yeah. people, lots of people are dead. And they shift over to a new reporter who's on the scene named Charlotte Singh. And she's talking about the scene. She's describing the destruction around her and so forth. Uh, the doctor got as far as her on his way to the studio when the new explosion happened, and that stopped him dead in his tracks because of the security forces. So the doctor has been running in and out of the building, trying to save people, dragging people out of the rubble. And then some security officers stopped him, and there's like a furious argument going on because he wants to keep helping people. Then the building collapses, so there's no more he can do. And at that point, they get him an earpiece so he can continue his interview with Resident Shahan back at 34. And that's kind of the the overall sketch of this. There's a lot of verbal stuff happening. One of the things that is a nice little wink to the audience is that we get our first mention not only of immigrants being an issue, but also monsters on 34. Mm -hmm. uh, Drew Shahan refers to the monsters behind the sofa scare. <laughs> right. And the doctor says, oh, it isn't usually the monsters behind the sofa, which, of course, is a reference to little British children hiding behind the sofa during Doctor Who. Right, right. I got that. Nice little wink to the audience there. The doctor, though, has some news, which is going to be really important for the colony, because after like 15 years of having emergency powers extending the elections into the future indefinitely, uh, the FDP, ha with him as leader, has petitioned the Colony Central Commission to force elections. And the Colony Central Commission has agreed to the FDP's position, and there will be elections in 16 days. Right. And that sets a clock for this episode, is, you know, the, the, this 
this uh, story will take place over the course of the next 16 days. Yeah. So then we 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 go to the second episode which takes place uh you know d- several days later um and we have uh, a bit of uh Premier Jaeger on the campaign trail implicating the FDP the the Freedom Democracy Party in the attacks the doctor we find out is running for premier and then we we <laughs> getting switch- pelted by eggs yes. <laughs> at his at his campaign appearance in Third City it's like who threw that egg and then, oh who threw that punch <laughs> yes. Uh, then we have uh, they they switch to this um, documentary uh, sort of story. Okay, now that we've had the update, here's our regular programming. Um, and it's Waring's, uh, Waring's World. Uh, Waring's World, right? Ryan focus. Waring is mm-hmm. the uh, journalist who is um, made contact with uh, the the rebel leader called the Rebel Queen, and he's he, he kind of narrates how he went uh, was given this you know secret place to go and follow these instructions, go outside the city. In and the he dead ends of up, night. In the dead of night. And he ends up in this slum that he never knew existed and most people don't know about. And there's, there's dead bodies in the street. And um, it, it's it's much worse conditions than the government has ever let people know. And uh, he ends up being blindfolded and brought before the rebel queen, who turns out is Ace. Ace, uh, yay! <laughs> she's she's leading the rebel. The res- and she says, I don't think of ourselves so much as the rebels as more of a resistance, which is kind of a, a fun little uh, connect. When you connect that to uh, Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> The Force Awakens, um, she she tells him about how they arrived at 34 unexpectedly. Um, then uh, we're told by the announcer that her testimony is censored uh, on orders of the premiere. So there's certain things that she says, like you said, Jimmy, that's bleeped out, um, which uh, we get the, the clear implication that the premiere is behind the people be disappearing the right. people are disappearing and the premiere is behind it um she said they were going to these government records offices to prove what was going on because secret government archives were being stored uh in these different records offices you know secret records right and, and she wasn't trying to blow up the buildings she was <laughs> trying to blow the doors off because she didn't have the passes that would let her have access that she had been promised all she was trying to do was blow the doors off, but she didn't realize that the doors and the walls weren't as solid as she thought. <laughs> yes, she got a little enthusiastic with her explosives. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of SQPN, with a special message. The StarQuest Network is fulfilling its mission to explore the intersection of faith and pop culture. And in the past year, we've reached stunning new heights. Our programs are reaching broad new audiences with a message that helps us discern good entertainment, make sense of the world, and share the gospel with others. We continue to launch new shows and bring back great shows. We just relaunched Secrets of Star Wars, which comes at the perfect moment to capture the excitement over the new show, The Mandalorian, and the climax of the new Star Wars movies. The support of our audience is vital to this work and has helped us grow closer to meeting our financial obligations. For that, we are very grateful. But we still need to close the gap. Every new gift extends our deadline. But until we eliminate our deficits, the future of StarQuest and your favorite shows remain in question. This is why it's crucial we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we are very grateful and we ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. 
If you are not yet a supporter, please become one now. We urgently need your help and every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? That lets us provide more than 40 hours of professionally produced shows with compelling content. We have special thank you gifts for donors at several giving levels. If you are a business owner or just want to provide a leadership level of support, we now have a special giving level for sponsors, like in public broadcasting. For $500 per month, you or your business can sponsor one of the shows on our network. Listeners will hear a message in every episode thanking you for your sponsorship and giving your website. We'll also have your name and link on the SQPN webpage and in the show notes of every episode during your sponsorship. Whatever level of support you can offer, whether large or small, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas and remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you and yours as we approach the celebration of our Lord's birth. And the records show that there are thousands of people who are dying in these outer districts from starvation, disease, but also many people disappearing. And so the ace and and the doctor, the ace ace and the doctor, are evidently trying to get to the bottom of what's happening on this world through separate tracks. The doctor through the public FDP, the political system, and ace as the leader of the resistance. Um, And and they're both both dancing around the fact that they know each other whenever they're asked. So like when... When Ryan Waring asks Ace if she knows Resident Doctor, it's like, well, I know a professor who's interested in world affairs. Right, right. Uh, And and in the midst of this, uh, the uh, government, you know, police forces show up and they have to escape from them and they're running. And um, And Ace has actually been betrayed by one of her aides named Lula, who, um, who was the one that brought Ryan Waring to her. Also, there's a really nice little detail. When he finally meets, you know, and he's been like kidnapped and thrown into a truck and, and or a transport, and they never tell us what kind, but just a transport. Yeah. And when he finally gets to see her, she comes in and, and so you're the rebel queen. Oh, the press comes up with such rubbish names, don't they? <laughs> and then he gives her what he, what she asked for. And it's a big bar of chocolate. Right. And she like takes two bites and says, oh, I haven't had chocolate in ages. And it's clear she's really loving it. But then she says, I'm going to save the rest of this for later. And later, she gives it to Lula and says, give this to the children in the morning as a special treat. So Mm -hmm. they've got children there in their facility they're caring for. And Ace just took a couple of bites of the chocolate for herself and then wanted the kids to have the rest. And it's a really nice little touch. Right. A nice character moment there for... Really, to kind of, so it's not just about advancing the larger story. There is this these character moments in it, which I really enjoy. And so we that's pretty much the second episode. Is I mean, that, I, I've really summarized it, but it, it's this this narrative story of of uh, Ryan Waring talking about his meeting with the Rebel Queen. Yeah, um, and Ace throws a stun grenade to get the security forces off them. The security forces, by the way, are wearing new body armor that is suggested could explain the monster rumors. Yeah, You see these big yeah. monstrous figures of the security forces in body armor. It's also implied that the security forces have not just been collecting dead bodies, but living people, too, are being disappeared for some reason. Right. And Ace gives Ryan a modified motorcycle and sends him back to the city with it. <laughs> I did like that. Yeah, the doctor has kept his fascination with 20th century motorcycles. And so he's got a, a motorcycle that will, it's got autopilot, apparently, which is really nice. 
Yes. And then, uh, so the third episode starts with an attack on a senior center that killed dozens and is being blamed on Ace and her resistance fighters. And we have a, a report on a, a, a government investigation into the second episode. So we have a report about a government investigation to Ryan Waring's story from the second episode. Right. And it claims that the government says it was biased and inaccurate, and the events portrayed in the broadcast n- never happened. Yeah, they've had 400 complaints about it. It 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 ju- was just anti-government anti-government propaganda. Ryan Waring can't comment. Ryan Waring has a, has committed apparent suicide. Yes. <laughs> right. Then uh after that is you know update is complete, we get a story for, uh, about a uh discovery of prehistoric fossils of monsters three stories tall. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, that you know, lived in the colony before humans showed up, and this is part of another sub show on Live Thirty Four called Live With. That's done by Charlotte Singh, who we've already met. She was the one interviewing yeah. the doctor the night of the first explosions we heard about. So she has a regular series called Live With, and tonight she's doing Live With the Paramedics. But because one of the paramedics is called in sick, she's only going to be with one paramedic. Hex, yay! <laughs> right. And luckily, she has uh, medical training so that she can travel. She can go with him on calls, uh, and because she can apparently help him. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have um, he's he's posing as a paramedic, like we said. And as they're getting ready to go out in the ambulance, they're at the hospital. There's a, a ruckus, and uh, some security, very heavy security, shows up, and they're trying to see what's going on. There's a figure who's on a, a gurney, who's being rushed into the hospital. and From a black, unmarked ambulance. Right, yes, which is, you know, we know that if if you want to hide something, definitely put it in a black, unmarked vehicle. That yeah. Definitely, <laughs> nobody will notice those. Uh, so, um, and then we get breaking news that Ace has been captured by security forces, which, you know, dun-dun-dun. Um, and then we're told that there are sinkholes appearing in the city, and Hex... Um, they they almost drive into one. Yeah, because the rains have started, and that's triggered some sinkhole activity. Right. Um, and uh, Hex, you know, they they almost drive into one. Hex climbs down inside and finds out that it's a mass grave that they finds you know bodies and bones. Yeah, there's a there's an additional step there. Charlotte is asking Hex about you know how many emergencies he deals with a night, and he says, "Well, we treat every call as an emergency, but most of the time they're not really emergencies." And this particular one he's going out on a call for is an old lady who has fallen down a sinkhole in her house, that a sinkhole Mm -hmm. opened up in her living room or something, and she fell down it. And so he's going there to check on her. And he says his feeling is this is one of those emergencies that's really more of a community service. And sure enough, when she opens the door, she's, I mean, she's, she's up, she's ambulatory. Uh, She's not in the sinkhole. She opens the door. She says, oh, I've been listening to you on the radio, and I haven't had a chance to put the kettle on. And so, yeah, she's she's fine. It turns out a mysterious man visited her home and got her out of the sinkhole and patched her up. Right. And it's implied that this is the doctor. Yes. And so when Hex goes down into the sinkhole in her house— he discovers it's a mass grave right. and that the people in it were executed. And he says, that's why he wanted me to come here so everyone would know the truth. So, the, right. uh, so apparently the doctor got Hex to come on this call 
so that Hex could expose the mass grave live on live with the paramedics. Right, right. And uh, and that causes uh, the government to seize Live 34, the station, um, under the pretext of, you know, though things are, are, are there some, the propaganda, et cetera, et cetera. We find out that Charlotte, uh, the reporter that was with Hex, has been fired, dismissed from her position, and uh, and and so now we go and, to the- and live with has not been is that episode has not been rebroadcast. They shut down the station for twenty four hours yep. uh, to, for reorganization. It's reminiscent of the moment in Babylon Five, where Interstellar Network News gets shut down in exactly right. the same way, and then gets reopened as a government propaganda operation. Right. Right. Uh, then we have the last episode, and now it's after you know the sixteen days have passed. The election's been held, and Surprise, surprise, Jaeger, Premier Jaeger won the election. Who could have imagined? 80% of the vote. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, that's almost as good as uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, his vote margin. So the, uh, the, but we found out the doctor is, has been killed, they said. They, the, the, he was, his transport uh, was crashed outside the city, and, uh, and so he couldn't possibly have run. So that's, you know, the, so he, he loses. Um, we find we have a confession that they play of Ace confessing to responsibility for all of the crimes and renouncing the doctor. And one of the things that is interesting in listening to this sequence is the tones in people's voices, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know always important in an audio play. But when we come back with the you know the reorganized Live Thirty Four, Drew Shahan, our main anchor, sounds very disappointed and resigned to the fact right. that Jaeger is president, but he's trying to be professional and he's trying to hide it. Right. Because he knows things he knows things have gone badly for Ryan Waring and Charlotte Singh. <laughs> yes. And then when Ace, when Jaeger comes out at, at his victory celebration and is, and by the way, the FDP is, is appealing to the Central Commission, we're told, about voting irregularities. But when Jaeger is at his victory celebration in Colony Square and he's playing this apparently videotape on like a jumbotron or something of Ace confessing to her crimes, it's clear she is not in good shape. Right. You no, know, it's like something is she's ex- at least exhausted. We get the sense she's been tortured. Later, we're told she's been drugged. Right. And she confesses to working to bring about a coup to bring in an alien power to strip the planet of its mineral wealth. And she throws herself on everybody's mercy. We have this amazing Pontius Pilate moment where Jaeger stands up and says, I won't uh, declare what should happen to her. I leave it to you, the crowd, to determine her fate, you know, and you know, and it's I expect him to start yelling, crucify her, crucify her. It was amazing. He is definitely seeking cover for his actions. He brings Ace out in chains. And she apparently is in better, uh, somewhat better shape than she was during the confession because she is she is shouting and yes. saying Jaeger. She was drugged. That confession was a fake. Jaeger is the real murderer. And when she says that, Jaeger strikes her across the face. And right. Shahan notes that the crowd did not like that. Yeah. Um. So Jaeger is now starting him. to show his true colors, and people are starting to see him for what he is. And the crowd starts to turn ugly. Uh, Jaeger then says the plan was for the complete repopulation of 34 with Ace's alien friends. So, like, every one of us was going to be eliminated and replaced by someone from off-world. 
Right. He then orders her execution on his command, and the doctor shows up. As and he, usual. <laughs> he's not dead, after all. And he gives this, uh, you know, Jaeger is ordering her death, and the doctor comes in with, oh, death to this, death to that, death to the other thing. I mean, I almost thought he was going to say, death to rice pudding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh and and there's this whole moment where he kind of he, he he gives the explanation. He says that the the election was invalid because neither of the people who were uh, no there was no one that anyone could vote for who was on the ballot. Basically saying yeah. he was dead, or so they thought. And Jaeger is not Jaeger, in right. fact. And Jaeger is shocked by this revelation and he orders his guards to kill the doctor too but the guards don't and apparently they've got earpieces and they're receiving new orders and they restrain jaeger instead right so the, the basically what happened was the real premier jaeger years ago had a double created uh because he had a disease that deformed him so he wanted a double who could go out into public and and provide that that visual as you do as you do. In fact, that's actually been speculated on in, uh, you know, in, in real history that certain political leaders have had doubles who have gone out in public. Um, in oh. fact, there was a movie that where like the president's double was killed, and in order to prevent people finding out that it was a double, or or it wasn't killed. No, he had like a coma or something in hmm. the midst of doing something he shouldn't have been doing, and they had to figure out what to do uh, in that my, circumstance. My favorite political leader double movie is a World War II propaganda movie called Hitler, Dead or Alive, where the, oh, wow. US, the U.S. government offers a, like a million dollar reward for the death of Adolf Hitler. And these gangsters go over to Germany to get Hitler. But see, he's got all these body doubles. And the real Hitler has a scar on his lip. That's why he grew the mustache. So uh -huh. in order to prove that we've got the real Hitler... We've got to force him to the ground and shave off that mustache. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite ones was uh, the Kevin Klein movie. Uh, what was it Dave? Where mm -hmm. like regular guy had to pose as the president. Uh, like as, he's an accountant, but they had a, they had this guy who looked just like the president, so they had him pretend to be the president because the president was in a coma. Um, and he was such a regular, sensible guy that he actually the country was running better and all this other stuff. And then the president gets better, uh, but yeah. So this was a, this is a, a a thing in 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 both fiction and in some people claim in real life. And uh, but so this double double crossed the real uh, Premier Jaeger and took control and started implementing these totalitarian. Uh, and they talk about that the the uh, double was himself a security officer, so you get this idea that he knew how to sort of be a strong man and and take yeah. care of things. And as the doctor announces, the election's been invalidated by the Colony Central Commission, Charlotte reappears. Yes. And so she's back, and she's, like, really annoyed. And Drew Shahan is really startled to see her, and she's like, get up off your knees. I'm not on my knees. Your metaphorical knees, you idiot. You know, <laughs> yes. the slightest bit of government pressure, and you fold. Right. And it turns out that Charlotte was part of the resistance all along. Uh, well, at, at, least, the... at least after a certain point. Right. In her Live with the Paramedics episode, there are moments where Hex is trying to get her to describe things, and she's being reluctant to do it. Yeah. But then after 
they were arrested. Uh, we didn't really get that mentioned, but at the end of their, when they find the mass grave, security forces broke in and arrested them. Right. And we now learn that Ace's friends busted them out of security control. And so a couple of nights later, Hex and Ace went to the hospital to investigate who came out of that mysterious unmarked ambulance. Right. And Hex now wheels him out, and it's the original Prime Minister Jaeger. Yes. Who's been kept alive all this time so they could use his body print whenever they needed to authenticate something. Right. I, I love this little bit where the doctor says, as unaccustomed as I am to making speeches, and Hex starts <laughs> coughing. Yeah, yeah. Because the seventh doctor is known for making speeches. He then lets Hex explain what happened here. And then he lets right. Ace explain part of what happened with her as well. And then we get to the big revelation, Soylent Green is people. I mean, <laughs> 34 <Soylent> fuel <laughs> is people. <laughs> right. Yeah, the energy crisis that they're having, they, the answer was killing people and using their bodies for fuel. First, they were just digging up the dead, and that wasn't enough. Then they, they, they turned to the criminals and the undesirables. Then they started this, this thing where they would advertise on other colonies for immigrants and started using them, like they, the immigrants would show up, and then they would take them off to become f fuel, and then they just started killing the underclass. And you, you, at which point you wonder, like, where was this going to end? This is not a long-term solution to your energy crisis. Yeah. Uh, although I suppose if you kill enough people, you don't have as much energy uh, needs. You, you lower your energy needs at the same time, I suppose. Um, but it's a, it's it's a it's a horrific sort of uh, a, a, a problem, or or, or I mean, this is beyond even just your regular <laughs> bad totalitarian government. Yeah, uh, it, it goes into Hitler territory. Um, and then it, we we end the broadcast with. The crowd turning on the fake Jaeger, and that's yeah. where so, things end. So what happens is after Ace makes her speech revealing, you know, what was happening to people, Hex notes that that speech really took it out of her, and he doesn't know what they did to her, but she needs medical attention. So the doctor turns the proceedings over to Charlotte Singh, who's going to serve as the temporary representative from the Central Colony Central Commission until their official representatives can arrive. And he warns her that this situation needs to be handled carefully because the crowd has taken in a lot and all that anger could explode. And right. so he then takes Ace and Hex and they get in the TARDIS and we hear it dematerializing. And then we hear Charlotte telling the crowd new elections are going to be called and everybody needs to be calm. But Jaeger makes this remark. It's like, I'm not going to let you know someone like you undo me. And that sets the crowd off. And we start here, we hear a riot starting, and then Jaeger gets the final words, no, please, somebody help me. And then we hear the sound of static as our listener tunes between radio stations. We tune them out. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so it was a good story. I, I really enjoyed it. Like you said, it was it was unique. It was a different way of telling a Doctor Who story, and um, it, it really took advantage of the format, the audio format. I really enjoyed this. It was a... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it was it was a what was how long it was an hour and forty eight minutes total, um, and it was it was good. And uh, by the way, we didn't talk about how you get a big finish and we'll, uh, productions. Mm. I sh we should have said that if you go to bigfinish.com, dot com, and of course I'll have a link in the show notes on on our website at sqpn dot com slash doctor who. In fact, um, we can link directly to their live thirty four episode. Yes, I will link directly to that. 
Um, and you can it used to be that that Big Finish came on CD uh, CDs, and you can you can still get some of them in CD, not all of them. Um, or you can download it. In fact, you can download this one for it's only two ninety nine, which is a pretty good deal. Um, they have apps for your phone, so I have a, the Big Finish app on my iPhone, and you download it to the, you you create an account, you download it to your phone, and you listen to it right there. And I really love I I listen to podcasts and stuff on uh, one and a half speed. It's just a thing. Um, I, li- I listen to these on 1.25 speed. Yeah. Uh, and you, you really you, you go right through it, and you can enjoy it as is. Uh, but uh, it's it's a, it was a really good, um, like I said, an hour and 48 minutes story. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I, I thought the doctor's speech in episode four is overly bombastic. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have dialed it back a bit. Yeah. And I thought that the the fuel being people is unrealistic. There's going to be way more biomatter than people if you're using right. biomatter. Right. But I can go with it just for the sake of sci-fi story trope. But setting those two minor criticisms aside, I thought it was extremely tightly plotted. I love listening to the subtleties and the richly textured dialogue and figuring out what's really happening, what they're saying and what they're not saying but hinting at. There's a lot of texture, a lot of subtlety, a lot of really clever stuff in this. Lots of little implications that people are making to figure out, ooh, that's what he's really implying. And it's definitely worth re-listening to. This is one of my favorite uh, big finished Doctor Who's, and frankly, one of my favorite Doctor Who stories of all times. It is so mm. subtle and richly textured and tightly plotted and cleverly dialogued. I just love this. Yeah, there there isn't a whole lot of uh, fluff in this. There's not a lot of, uh, like, especially, like, again, in Classic Who, it had that, that old TV style where there were periods of time when nothing was really happening or that's, this had really good pacing to it, really yeah. uh, tightly packed in it, and it's two hours of showtime. Uh, so I, I, yeah, you're right. It was really well done. I, I really enjoy this. I think this is um, is a really good introduction to what uh, Big Finish can be about. The the audio plays. Uh, if you want to, you know, dip in and like I said, it's only two ninety nine, so it's an inexpensive way to give it a shot and see whether it's something uh, something you like. And we have talked about other audio productions, like where um, some of the older classic who. Productions are no longer available in video format. The, the 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 video has been lost, so they're available as audiobooks. So, I mean, Doctor Who is really it's a this is a it really has become a multimedia sort of a, a franchise. You know, it's yeah. really available and really good in its various formats. I have to say, the kids' so, comics aren't my favorite, but <laughs> right, right. So, like we said at the top, we're going to be covering some more. Uh, Big finish productions through the rest of December and sort of leading up to the next season of Doctor Who with the 13th Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, which as we record this, we don't have a, a date for when that's going to happen. Um, they said the beginning of 2020. That could be as early as January 1st of 2020. Uh, like last year, they had a, a, a New Year's Day special instead of a Christmas special. So that may happen again. We don't know yet. Um, but just to give you an idea of what we've got coming. So we have they have had this. Um, next time we're going to be talking about the trial of the Valyard, which is a six doctor mm-hmm. uh, story. We also have one on the Master, uh, featuring uh, Christopher Beavers as the Master, who played uh, the decayed Master from the TV right. show. And then we have a special Christmas episode that we'll tell you about a little later. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll hold on that. 
it keeps some of the surprise. But uh, that that one will actually, because of our schedule, will actually drop on Christmas Day. So that'll be a nice little Christmas present from us to you. So uh, uh, let us know what you think of of doing these as you know these big finish. And if you if you'd like to hear more of this and uh, make, make it a regular thing, and I still like to do like a um, uh, sort of a top maybe a top ten list or so. I, I don't know. There, there may be other ways we can really talk about Big Finish in yeah. the future because I think it's a untapped resource. One, one thing that I've been, and I've meant to propose this to you and Father Corey, but I can propose it now, is, sure. is when I listen to a new Big Finish give like a two-minute review uh, okay. in an episode, say, here was the most recent Big Finish thing I listened to and here's what I thought of it, and just have it be a brief update. That's a good idea. That's great. I think, uh, I think, uh, I think our audience would enjoy having more new Doctor Who that they haven't seen or listened to and we're covering the 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 stuff that most of us who are fans have already seen but this will be a nice way to to get some new content so before we finish up we do have some feedback from listeners on some recent episodes from silence in the library a few a while ago um we have uh, that was episode 145 emma croik on facebook writes when i first saw it the episode i thought the little girl was a book character come alive and the Vashti and Arata were not killers, but here to get people into her book world, which is an interesting, mm-hmm. yep. would have been an interesting concept. Um, and then on episode 149, Terror of the Autons, Danny Butler writes on Facebook, I've never seen the stories in order, so it's hard to tell, but the format isn't bad. I do wish now they'd kept Liz on as one of the unit regulars. Yeah. Russell T. Davies understood the benefits of bringing characters back and worked pretty well in his time. For what it's worth, there are additional Liz stories in video. There were unlicensed productions involving Unit and name-changed organization called Probe, where the actress does return and plays Liz Shaw. Interesting. Is it those made much later? Uh, Um, They were made somewhat somewhat later, yeah. Like 70s, 80s, or maybe even 90s. And then uh, he, Danny asks, how would Joe and Liz have reacted to each other, do you think, besides keeping it professional, if they were both, you know, companions to the Doctor at the same time? I think they would have gotten along. I think uh, Liz would have been a little bit flummoxed by Joe. Joe is much more a free spirit. Yeah. But I think fundamentally they would have gotten along together. I think so. I think Liz was... Um, she wasn't all that uptight. I think is is being. She was very. She was the smart equal to the doctor, like very very yeah. smart uh, scientist. Whereas Joe is much more younger and yeah. less experienced. Joe is Joe is like a total let it all hang out hippie chick free spirit. And <laughs> and and Liz would have been able to roll with that, even though that's not who she is. Yeah, maybe like Liz would have been. It would have treated her like her younger sister, which yeah. would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, good questions. Thank you uh, for both to both Danny and Emma. Uh, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Marion M, Lisa R, George U, Amy M, and Connie W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion of the Big Finish production of Live 34? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or you can send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing, like I said, the Big Finish story, Trial of the Valiard. And I'll put a link to that in this episode's show notes as well, so that if you want to 
get that and listen to it before next week. That would be great. Uh, until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you're listening to Live 34, news on the hour every hour. Broadcasting to Colony 34 all day, every day. Sports, weather, business, local news, and interplanetary affairs. Right. This is going to be fun.